Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today to hear from God's word from Pastor Bays and to also praise him and worship. So it is a good day to praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. I can't hear you. It's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's stand and sing together.
that's your story. I hope that's your song, praising your Savior all day long. But I'm going to go back to that I'll fly away one of these days. Hallelujah, by and by when I die. I, I'm not looking forward to the dying part. I want the rapture part to happen. Amen. So be listening for the trumpet sound, okay? Be listening. If it happens during the message, it'll, it'll be okay for you to leave uh, and go to be with the Lord. It's okay with me because I'm hoping I'll be right there too and believe I will be. We're so thankful to have you here. Would you do me a favor? Would you turn to somebody and say, man, I'm glad you're in church today. All right, go ahead and find a seat. Should be easy. We got a lot of people out of town this week. We've got a wedding. Brian Trainer will marry his fiancée, Sage, and that wedding is this afternoon, so be praying for them. Uh, we're excited about them, excited for them. And uh, I, I told my wife, I said, young love is so beautiful, but old love is beautifuler. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, because everything's exciting and new for young love. Everything's exciting and new for old love because you can't remember what happened yesterday. So, but I'm so glad you're here this morning. And if you are here for the, as the first time, we have several first time guests today and we just welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here. Uh, we have, I think if we had a contest, the one from the furthest away this morning would be the gentleman from Taiwan who's here with the Taiwan military. So we're thankful to have him here. God bless you, my friend, right back in the back here. All of you who are first-time guests, if you would do us a favor, I promise you I won't be abusive with your information. We won't give this out to anybody, but if you would take one of these cards from the seat back in front of you, it's called a connection card. We would love to connect with you. Uh, and, and if you're not sure you want to connect, I understand, wait a while, but uh, if you want to, then go ahead and fill this out. If you have prayer requests, they're on the back. If you have questions, they're on the place for that on the back also. Once you fill these out, you can give them to us after the service, or you can put them in the tithe box, tithe and offering box to the left of the double doors in the back. There's a stand about so high and it has a cross on top. That's where our members put their tithes and offerings, and that's where we would ask you as a guest uh, to put your connection card, and we'll have a record of your visit then. We're so glad to have you here. Today, preaching uh, a sermon series that I think is going to last the rest of my life, um, which is on the life of Christ. It is, uh, it, I'm having a ball. I hope you're enjoying it because I'm having a ball studying for it, but it's Sermon on the Mount, part eight today. Real righteousness, real righteousness according to the Word of God. Right after that, a military lunch is provided on the patio. Anybody active military, uh, couples, single, matters not, get one out there. Today you're having uh, one of my all-time favorites, Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> which they renamed several years ago KFC, so you, they're trying to sneak that fried part in. Uh, but I will promise you, you'll have a good time. And so all of the military, you be sure to stay for that. Then pray for Brian and Sage and their wedding this afternoon at 3.30 up in, I think it's in Poway. And then Sunday next week, uh, Sermon on the Mount, part nine, wholeness. I'm preaching on wholeness, whole heart, whole eye, and so on. Uh, but also, we're having Silent Voices here. Silent Voices is a ministry to women who find themselves uh, expecting a child they didn't plan on it, and maybe would be considering aborting that child. Uh, so Silent Voices comes alongside. They give sonograms for free. They hook them up with uh, people who will help them with clothing and food and so on, should they go ahead and, and keep the baby, uh, and then they'll help out with beyond that too. But uh, that's next Sunday. They're going to have their mobile unit right out front. It's a pretty impressive uh, mobile unit that they use going around to some of the areas to uh, help out women and, and girls. And then also next week, we have trustee meeting uh, in the adult class. <clears throat> so trustee meeting, at, as soon as we can make it in there after the service, uh, please be there for that. We will not have lunch because it's not going to be a real long meeting, I think. We never know. Now, also, all the teachers and workers, listen closely. If you're a teacher or worker in, our, in all of our, cla in our classes, there's a very important meeting for you next Sunday right after the service. <clears throat> and there will be lunch for you. So trustees, I know you're going to get bitter about that. Uh, my <laughs> apologies. 
but for the teachers and workers, there'll be an organizational meeting going over some things that are new with the state of California, law-wise and, and working with children. Uh, so uh, very important meeting. Please, please plan on making that uh, as a worker or a helper. If you're thinking about being a worker or a helper, go ahead and show up for that as well. All right, we have a, a, our fall festival coming up. If we can have a slide uh, of that. My office is, I, I almost can't get in there now because we have candy, Halloween candy. It's not that there's so much. It's that I can resist anything but temptation. And, <laughs> and there's all this candy. And Linda, I won't say who, but she brought in a bag of candy that was open. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and she's trying to blame it on sweet little innocent grandchildren or something. So I don't know. But if you could bring wrapped, individually wrapped candies, we have... Uh, an outreach that on the 31st that's awesome. And did you find that slide yet? We didn't find the slide yet. Uh, but it's, it'll start, I don't know what time, I think 5 o'clock. Is that right, Darlene? It starts at 4 o'clock, goes till 9, or 8, 4 to 8. Need volunteers. So, okay, that's another way you can use this. If you would help out, it's a lot of fun. So I hope you will help out. Sign up, give us your name a phone number or email contact, something, and then write Fall Festival on there somewhere. Uh, and, and again, I know, look, I am well aware of some of the weirdness associated with Halloween, and I know that there's, there are two schools of thought. It's like you know, Christian ought to have nothing to do, which we're not, I don't want to have anything to do with the bizarre and the, uh, and the, uh, the, the grotesque and, the, and spiritism and all that. Please stay away from anything like that. Um, but if we're serving a community. We're going to have hot dogs. We're going to have uh, chips. We're going to have candy. We're going to have uh, good Christian singing. We're going to have a great time. So I hope you'll be here for that and help out. If you will be a helper, sign one of these and then give it to Darlene. Darlene, wave your hand back here so they know where you are right in the back and give those to her and she'll set that up and we appreciate them doing that. Okay, the Christmas tea slide. Do we have that one? Is it? There we go. All right. Tickets are going on sale and they're selling out fast. So be sure to stop outside and pick up your tickets for uh, the Christmas tea tickets. And guys, if you can help out serving the ladies, please use this connection card. See how this is a multi-purpose card for everything. If you just want to tell my wife what a great person she is, take one of these and fill it out and, and we'll get it to her. So, uh, but Christmas tea. Now, I want to share something with you that's in the bulletin. I know it's in the bulletin, but I want to share it with you in case, um, because there are actually people who don't read the bulletin. I mean, I know you find that hard to believe, but there are actually people like that. Uh, yeah, okay. You know who you are. So <clears throat> here's, here's what, and we've got a slide up here. Uh, if you have about, I think it's about 25 minutes to watch this slide on Hamas and what's going on in Israel, uh, there's the address. Uh, I'm sorry. We did, I don't think we have it in the bulletin, but there it is. It'll be up there while I read this. If you get a chance, you will want to see that later. Not during the sermon. <laughs> don't be watching it during the sermon. Later on, okay? So my, my bulletin article is, Where Are We Prophetically? I've lived long enough to hear it all when it comes to prophecy. There have been announcements of our Lord's return on given dates several times in my lifetime. People have claimed to know who the Antichrist is and where he lives, there are even those who say the rapture has already taken place. My response to that is, huh? What in the world? I can't believe the people believe that. I'm not a prophet. I have no special revelations from God. But I know Daniel prophesied about the king of the north, thought to be Russia and her allies, perhaps including, listen to these names. I mean, this prophecy uh, thousands of years ago, Turkey, Iran, Ethiopia, Germany, and Libya. And the king of the south, an African nation, perhaps Egypt, and the kings of the east with an army of 200 million, perhaps communist China, uh, no other country that I know of has an army of 200 million ready to fight. These nations will amass with warfare in the land of Israel against the Antichrist and his 10 kingdom confederation. Uh, Daniel, and the references are in the bulletin, Daniel chapters 10 and 9 and Revelation 16, Zechariah 12, Zechariah 14. When we were in Israel <clears throat> several years ago, we saw a sign in the Valley of Megiddo that said the Battle of Armageddon will be fought here. I mean, that's, that's in the land of Egypt right now. But it looks to me like all the players are in place, so what can we do? Well, we can pray, 
We can trust God. We can stand with Israel. God's will is still sovereign. God is still a sovereign God. Before the battle of Armageddon, several other things take place. High on that list is the rapture. In a moment of time, born-again believers will be snatched out of this crazy hell-bent world and will be with the Lord of angel armies forever. Oh, and when the battle of Armageddon takes place, King Jesus will return with his saints and will defeat the armies of the north, the south, and the east, and the Antichrist. Israel will be saved physically and will be saved spiritually. And what a day that's going to be. Amen. So get ready. It may be our generation. It may be in our lifetime that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Mm-hmm. Then I'll fly away. Oh, Amen. glory. All right. Let's stand together before we fly away.
me as we go to the Lord in a word of prayer right now. Would you bow your heads, please? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Father, we thank you that you're our God, that you who created the heavens and the earth, you who spoke and planets and stars and solar systems appeared, you created us. You created the animals of the earth, you created the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and you created us. Lord, you used your finger and molded and made our forefather, Adam, out of the crust of the earth, and from his side created Eve. And Father, from them come, came all of humanity. We thank you that we serve a God who is that powerful and that, om, that omnipresent and that omniscient. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for enduring what you endured, being nailed to that cross, but even worse than that, being forsaken by your own Father because upon your shoulders rested my sins and the sins of the people in this congregation. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for rising again after three days. And Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing us to you, drawing us to your Son, drawing us to the Heavenly Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking to us and convicting us. And Lord, I pray that your will and your word would go forward with great power today and that every ear would hear what you have to say in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Would you go ahead and be seated and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. You have your Bible. How many have, how many have your Bible, either electronically or right like I've got mine right here? God bless you. Thank you. It's good to have everyone here. Boys and girls from First Baptist Church, you're going to go to your class, but first you're going to come right down here. We want to talk to you, all the boys and girls. Come on up here just for a moment. All righty. And we have... We have a few. I think some of them are playing hooky today, huh? All right. You're here. Are you here? Okay, good. And you're here. Yeah. And these, okay, we got three more right over here. And I want to talk to you about something that's very important. It's called prayer. I want you to know that you can talk to God all by yourself. You don't have to be an adult. You don't have to be a grown-up. You can talk to God yourself. If we ask him, the Bible says we'll receive things. If we seek him, we'll find him. Can I have you a yeah, and if we knock, we knock on a door. How many of you ever knock on a door? You try to get somebody to come to the door. If we knock, the Bible says he'll open the door for us. So just think, God who created everything says you can pray to him. Um, I'm gonna ask you a question. Well, you want to ask me a question? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I think I'm ready for this. Go ahead. What's your question? Hmm? Huh? Yeah, he did. But you know what? He came alive again after three days. And so we can pray and we can talk to him. And, why, and we can pray in the morning and we can pray when we eat food and we can pray at night and we can pray when things are going tough and we can pray when things are going perfectly. We can pray at any time. So let's pray right now. I'm going to pray for you all, okay? So let's bow our heads. Our Father, we thank you for each young girl, each young boy that's up here today. We pray you would bless them in their Sunday school classes. Lord, teach them what they need to know about how to know you better. And Lord, we pray that every one of them would receive you and would trust you as their personal Savior when they get old enough to understand their need. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said, amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes, boys and girls. All right, very good. Text for today, Matthew chapter... Oh, I forgot something. We got something for the boys and girls. This is to write your prayers down. So can, can we take those to the kids in that other room that got away? I forgot about that. Miss Pat? I figured I got off easy, so... Yeah. All right, so... They, Tell them they can write their prayers down in those book, in those little pamphlets, okay? It's a good way to pray. So the last two Sundays, we've seen that Jesus came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, and in fact, to raise the bar of the law. 
His ethics ethics were stricter than that of the Pharisees who considered themselves to be the most spiritual people in all of the world, and, and certainly even in Egypt. We discussed murder and how it's wrong to commit murder, but it's also wrong to be angry with a brother to the point of, of, of character assassination or killing a spirit. He talked about adultery, and it's wrong to commit adultery, but it's wrong to lust after someone to commit adultery in your heart. He talked about divorce and said it should not be an easy thing. It should be uh, set a very high bar there that only in cases of infidelity or desertion uh, would, or and I, I gave the caveat, I hope I'm not doing a disservice to scriptures here, uh, but if my daughter were being beaten up by her husband, uh, I, would, I would want her to get out of that house and I might go visit her husband and do a little, do a little witnessing to him. I, I'm, not, I'm not preparing for heaven is what I'm talking about. So then we talked about honesty and making oaths and, and making vows and how the Bible says if we're going to make a vow, we better keep it. But Jesus raised the bar on that said, I don't think you should swear by anything or anyone. Don't swear by Jerusalem. Don't swear by um, the heavens. Don't swear by the earth. Don't swear by, uh, don't, don't do that. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. And I talked about a professor, college professor, who I had a lot of respect for, who was part of the Scottish revivals back, way back when. Uh, and he said he would not, when he went into a court of law for as a witness or whatever, he would not put his hand on a Bible and swear. He would say, my yea is yea, my nay is nay. I will speak the truth honestly, but I will not swear on anything. He took this literally, and I think that he did a good thing. We talked about retaliation, how vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and how we're not to retaliate. We talked about love uh, and how we're to love not only our friends and love those who love us. Uh, everyone does that pretty much, but we're to love even our enemies. And we talked about that for a while. Today, we look at another trilogy found in the sixth chapter of Mark. We move from stating, stating the ethics that he stated, um, these six different things, to living them out in real life. And this is all about application today. It involves not only what we do, but why we do it and when we do it. So first of all, almsgiving. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, and I'm going to read in the translation, it says, watch out. In other words, give special attention Don't do your good deeds, alms, uh, King James Version says. Um, When I was a kid and I read about, you know, almsgiving, I thought, how do you give an alm to somebody? What in the world is an alm anyhow? How do you give it? We're going to talk about what that is. It's basically in this translation, don't do your good deeds, acts of mercy and acts of compassion publicly to be admired by others, uh, but rather concentrate on the right things when doing any acts of righteousness. That's what we should be doing. For you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. If we do an almsgiving, an act of goodness, an act of mercy or charity to someone, and we do it so we can look good, so we can say, look at me, look how spiritual I am, look how holy I am, look how generous I am, we already have our reward. That's that's all the reward we're gonna get. We're not gonna get it from heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. And the hypocrites were counterfeit uh, believers. They were play actors. Uh, and, and what did they do? Jesus said they blow trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. It's an act of self-glorification. Again, magnifying what they're doing. And Jesus further said, I tell you the truth that they have received all the reward they will ever get. That reward they got was the admiration perhaps of some others, perhaps Pharisees as well, or maybe maybe uh, even on other people, but they say, wow, isn't that wonderful what so-and-so did? But in opposition to the hypocrites, when you, singular here, therefore it becomes very personal now, when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. So there's several things here I want to talk about for a moment. For what, Do what we do for the glory of God and for the good of others, not for self-adulation. Verse 2 says, when or whenever we do these righteous acts, don't be like the hypocrites. And this idea of when we do it in the, in the Greek has the tense of an ongoing thing as we continually do good deeds for those less fortunate, for those who need blessings. Almsgiving, acts of mercy, sometimes included giving money. 
So he's talking about giving money to people, uh, to the poor. Interestingly, I found out, the Greek language has no word for this action uh, that we call almsgiving in English, uh, that the Hebrews had a word for it, but Greek did not have a word of giving good, doing good deeds for those less fortunate. Uh, The Jews did, and they approved of it. So this is not about whether we should give to people in need, but it's more about when we should give to them and how we should give to them without uh, drawing attention to ourselves. Let not your left hand not knowing what the right hand is doing. By the way, I've had people in sincerity uh, ask about when they give their tithes and offerings and we keep a record for them for tax purposes and they say, isn't that violating this idea of letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing? And I don't think so. First of all, my left hand doesn't know a blooming thing that I don't know, okay? My right hand doesn't know anything that, I mean, it's, it's figures of speech here. He's just saying keep it secret. And we don't tell our people, I don't go telling people what other people give. I don't always know what other people are given. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Most of the time I don't. Uh, and so it's the idea of uh, as long as our, our government allows for the fact that you can take tax deduction for your giving record, uh, I'm going to continue to do it. Now, here's the thing. When the United States of America ceases letting you de- deduct your tithes and offerings, notice I said when, because it's coming, it does not mean I don't need to tithe and give my offerings to God. I, I, don't, I don't give tithes and offerings in order to uh, have a tax deduction. I give tithes and offerings in order to be obedient to God. 10% of everything we own belongs to him. And all, actually, 100% of what we own belongs to him. My kids are not my kids, they're his. My cars are not my cars, they're his. My house is not my house, it's God's. Everything we have belongs to him. We came to this world with what? Nothing. We're gonna leave with what? Nada. Not a thing. We're gonna leave with nothing, absolutely. So, uh, so the point is that, that uh, we're to give, and this idea of the left hand not knowing with the right hand, I don't think it, it precludes not giving a tax do- donation and, and being able to take it off your taxes, but if you don't feel comfortable about it, you don't have to do that. You can give anonymously. You can give uh, without a record being kept. So, uh, so here's the thing. Um, this is not whether to give, but when and how to give. In, Daniel, in Deuteronomy 15, 11, for the poor shall never cease out of the land. Therefore, I command you, saying, you shall open your hand wide unto your brother and to the poor and to the needy in your land. Now, the, the dilemma of today is trying to figure out who is sincerely in need and who's running a scam. I don't believe we have an obligation to... Um, to listen to every single person who wants to sing us to, to wants us to buy a bouquet on the side of the, the highway or on, uh, at the intersection or whatever, um, but we need to discern. We need to give. There certainly are people we know who are needy, right? And we need to help them if we're able to. Now, trumpets were. He says, "Don't sound a trumpet." I don't really think. I think this is another figure of speech. I don't think that a, a, even a Pharisee. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think a Pharisee would go. I'm about to give $5 to my friend Jim right down here. I'm about to give. Everybody notice I'm about to give five bucks? I don't really think that's what that meant. Trumpets were used for calls to worship. Trumpets were used for assembling the congregation. Trumpets were used for calling uh, military commands and giving military commands in the land. So I think he was talking about imagery here. And he says, don't call attention to yourself because when a trumpet sounds, you're going to look that way most of the time. When the Lord's trumpet sounds, we're going to look that way and we're going to take off. But Jesus, in no uncertain terms, says, don't sound a trumpet for your acts of mercy. The hypocrites, these actors who play a part, who act like they're spiritual, were not so concerned with the poor as they were with their own reputations and their own glory and their own pride and their own standing within their Jewish community. I want them to look at me, and I want them to see I am doing this. I am so incredible. And and then it talks about in the synagogues and streets. Um, And the idea of here, Jesus singles out these two places. You're not to sound a trumpet and and not to 
uh, not to call attention to yourself. Uh, and the, the one place is a synagogue. A significant gift in the synagogue would be noticed. Um, and the other place is the idea of the streets that were very crowded and still are very crowded and very narrow in parts of, old, especially in old Jerusalem. Um, it would be noticed if you were helping out someone. And so he says, don't do that for that purpose. And if you do, you already have your reward. But you won't get any more from me. Your reward is, is the admiration or the jealousy of other people. But it's not going to be from God. Now, I found a note that was interesting. I thought the Jews at their best surpassed the Pharisees, something called the Mishnah, uh, which is the oral law. Have you heard of that? The Mishnah, the oral law, uh, speaks of a chamber of secrets in the temple. And this chamber of secrets in the temple was a place where devout Jews could bring gifts in privacy, leave them there, and go away. And the poor uh, families would later come and receive help without knowing who their benefactor was. They had no way of knowing who left uh, those items, whether it be money, whether it be groceries, whether it be tools, whether clothing, whatever it was. In the Talmud, which is a Jewish civil and ceremonial law, we read, a man who gives charity in secret is greater than Moses, our teacher. Well, now that's Oral law, and, and that's Jewish law, but I'm not sure that a person who gives anybody is, better, is greater than Moses, but the idea was they had this place set aside so that you could take something and give it, and, and you don't know who it was going to benefit, and nobody know what, knows what you gave, so they can't, they can't attribute any uh, glory to you because it was all done in secret. So uh, Christian giving is to be marked by self-sacrifice. If you give to people, who are needy, it diminishes your wealth in the amount that you gave, and it needs to be with self-forgetfulness, uh, not by, uh, con by congratulations, uh, you you're doing such a great job. One of the best ways you can help someone who's in need uh, is to take groceries and put them on a porch sometime when no one's looking, uh, and that can be a tremendous help to people. Uh, other times, uh, in other ways, you can be very creative with that. But God sees what's given, and God, um, and he will act accordingly. Uh, it doesn't mean that our good deeds should be done away with a view of obtaining a reward either. We, we shouldn't give even secretly so that now God's going to bless me. That's the wrong motivation. The motivation is to be a blessing and a help to someone else. So uh, almsgiving, that's what Jesus said about that. Secondly, prayer. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, the King James has a, a linking uh, word here that means and, literally. So it's in the King James says, and when you pray. So it's tying it right directly to almsgiving in the same manner, in the same vein. Uh, don't do the, the almsgiving for self-glorification. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray standing on the street corners and in the synagogues, same places, right? In the street corners and in the synagogue where everyone can see them, they draw attention, and it'd be kind of like going down here at First and Orange and say, Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega. Peek to see if anybody's looking. The great I am. You know, he says, You know what? Don't do that because their actual intent and purpose for praying was putting on a show. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, that it's all, that's all the reward they will ever get. But when you... When you pray, and here it's in the emphatic, so it means you will pray. When you pray, again, in opposition to the hypocrites, go away by yourself, King James Version says, into an inner room. The idea of getting alone. Who was it? J. Vernon McGee used to talk about um, going into his prayer closet, and, and on the radio program, you'd hear the door opening, and, and then he'd hear it closed, and he'd get in his prayer. Corny, but very effective, right? Very effective. The idea of shutting the door behind you, pray to your father in private, and just like with the almsgiving, keep it as secret as possible. This doesn't ban public prayer. There's nothing wrong with public prayer, but it goes to the heart of when and why we do pray. Then your father, Jesus said, who sees everything will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on. Okay, have you ever been in a prayer meeting where somebody just wouldn't quit? Now, I may not be very spiritual, and sometimes I'm not, but sometimes I want to say, amen. That's it. That's enough. Move on. <laughs> I mean, they just go on and on and on. So he said, don't, lengthy prayers 
Don't babble on and on. I love that. As the Gentiles do, they think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you have need of even before you ask him. So don't pray to inform God of what your needs are. He knows what they are, but pray as a form of worship and imploring he who owns everything, imploring him who owns everything to give you uh, the answers to your prayers. So he says, pray like this and note the conciseness and the specificity of what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, to whom and where? He, he doesn't go on and on about Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and all the Hittites and Levites and all the other Ite brothers. He, he doesn't go into all that. He says, Our Father in heaven, to whom and where? May your name be kept holy, sacred. May your kingdom come soon, now. Oh, Lord Jesus, may you come now. This world is too, too messed up, too far gone. I just pray that God will come back soon, very soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sovereignty, it will be. His will will be done. Give us today the food we need. Ask for needs and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. That's necessary. We must forgive to be forgiven. And don't let us yield to temptation. Pray for strength. Rescue us from the evil one. Greater is he that sent us than he that sent the world. And if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And that's a repeat of verse 12. That's the model prayer he gave. Concise, specific, from the heart. We might call that prayer the model prayer or the disciples' prayer, really, more than the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John chapter 17, and he prayed for those who would follow behind. He prayed for you in John chapter 17. Don't believe it, read it. John chapter 17. Prayers to be communion with God, not a means of increasing one's standing and reputation within a congregation. To pray with a view of impressing people is wrong. And Jesus calls on praying people to consider what they're doing and to do so with concentration and with a proper motive, praying to get the very ear of God. Almighty God, I don't, even, I don't know how to stress it, completely, yet Almighty God, who created everything there is, wants to hear from you, wants us to talk to him. Long prayers, not more virtuous, though there may be times when you pray all night. I don't see that as a contradiction. There were times when Jesus prayed all night. But lengthy prayers for the sake of length. And repetition for the repetition's sake is ineffectual. Rote prayers, uh, we're not thinking about them. We say them because we've said them so many times. You can say the Lord's Prayer and still think about it and still be specific and still be passionate about it. Or you can just run, it runs off your lips and you don't even think about it, right? Pray fervently from the heart, worshiping God. Be passionate about prayer. I'm not going to go into an expository study of the Lord's Prayer beyond what we've already done because that's for another study. But, but we, almsgiving and prayer, same two things. Don't do it for a show. Third thing is fasting, basically same thing. Don't do it for a show. In Matthew 6, 16, and when, not if, but when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled King James says they, they, they disfigure their faces. I don't have to work at it too hard to disfigure my face. It kind of comes naturally. And they disfigure their face or they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. Oh, look, he's fasting. I get in a middle image right now of some guy crawling on the floor gasping. I haven't had food for an hour and a half. I haven't had food since I ate a donut when I came in the church. So that people admire them. For, I tell you the truth, Jesus said, that's the only reward they're going to get is people saying, oh, look at them, bless their hearts. Somebody throw them a peanut. Here are the very same principles involved, public versus secret, Sincere versus hypocritical, rewards of men versus words, rewards of God. But when you fast, look again, not if, not if you ever, 
or if somebody does, when you emphatic in the Greek, when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Yeah, I think that's a good idea a lot of times, you know. That's just good advice, absolutely. And I'd add brush your teeth. But uh, comb your hair, wash your face, then no one will notice you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining from something. A lot of times it's abstaining from food for a period of time to instead of eat, to worship, spend time with the Lord. It's a spiritual discipline. Um, Biblical fasts, you can find them where someone would fast over a meal, not eat a a meal, or maybe they would fast for one day, 24-hour fast, or maybe they would fast for three days in the Word of God, or maybe they would fast for seven days, or maybe they would fast for 10 days, or three weeks. Daniel fasted for three weeks, 21 days. Uh, When you fast, I'm gonna tell you something right now. If time is going, is slipping away too fast, you fast. If, If time is getting away from you, Fast. All of a sudden, the clock stops. (laughs) One day will be like 72 hours long. The longest fast in the Bible, who knows what it was? 40 days, who did it? Jesus did, who else did it? Moses. I don't recommend it. That's a supernatural fast. The Irish IRA, whatever it was, not the tax plan, but the people in the Irish Republic, whatever, some of them died through fasts not any longer than that. A supernatural fast. I'm going to tell you something. You may not be aware of it. You probably are, though. When Moses came down the mountain from that 40-day fast, oh, by the way, he had neither food nor water. You can't do that. We can't exist that long unless it's a supernatural fast. But when he came down and they were worshiping the idol, he broke the idol apart, ground it into powder, cast it into the water. Did you know what happens when you put gold dust in water? It makes a colloidal suspension, turns red, became a type of the blood of Jesus Christ. He went back up to the mountain. You know what he did? Fasted 40 more days. 80-day fast. Totally impossible for a human being apart from the supernatural leadership of Almighty God, and he did not die in God's presence. People didn't die in God's presence. People didn't stay dead in Jesus' presence. You know that? They rose from the dead. Fast can be excluding all food. It can be excluding certain foods. It can, it can, it can exclude meat. You can exclude solid foods. You can have a juice fast. I mean, all, it's, it's the idea of setting aside breaks from certain Uh, foods, or certain activities, fasting from certain activities in order to get closer to God, in order to draw closer to God. The one fast prescribed in the law that I can find, there may be more, but the one that I could find is in Leviticus chapter 16, verse uh, verse 29 through 31. On the 10th day of the appointed month in early autumn, you must deny yourselves. King James Version says, afflict yourselves and is generally understood to mean fasting. And neither native-born Israelis nor foreigners living among you may do any kind of work. This is a permanent law for you. So they were to fast on the Day of Atonement. Now, other fasts came to be observed, and other fasts were observed in Zechariah 8, 19. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says, the traditional fast in the times of mourning you have kept in early summer, midsummer, autumn, and winter are now ended, and they will, become, they will become festivals of joy and celebration for the people of Judah. So there was fasting that led to joy. In Nehemiah 9, 1, on October 31st, Darlene, did you get that date? On October, on October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. That might be a nice fall festival costume to wear. Wear some burlap, put some dust on your head, and get out there and say the end is near. <laughs> Psalm 35, 13, yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied them 
I denied myself by fasting for them. My, my, my prayers returned unanswered. This is one of David's psalms of lamentation when he fasted and there was no result from it, unfortunately. Uh, there are private and personal fastings in Nehemiah. He fasted when he heard that the gates of Israel, uh, the gates of Jerusalem were burned and the walls were broken down. He fasted and prayed that God would do something and God did through him. And Daniel said, I, uh, they, they, they are, I turned to the Lord God, pleaded with him in prayer and fasting and I wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes and he learned uh, that 70 years, for 70 years, Israel would be out of her own land. So fasting was entered into in, great time, in times of great need and distress. And I don't know if there's any more need and any more distress. Maybe the Civil War was, but for the United States of America, we're in, we're in pretty distressful times. We're in pretty difficult times. We've got a war going on in Ukraine. We've got a war going on in the Middle East. We've got, as we mentioned at the beginning of the service, all the players in place. At least they could be in place for... For for Ezekiel, chapter thirty-eight. So maybe it's a time we should be fasting for America, fasting for our lost loved ones, fasting that we would remain true. If what happened to Israel happened to us, would we be able to turn to God, to stand in the power that He would provide? Or would we completely fall apart? Things that happen, the atrocities, things you can't even mention in mixed company, can't even mention without a cringe factor. Could be at our doorstep. So as we go about doing acts of mercy and good deeds for people, do so without sounding a trumpet, without drawing attention to yourself. Do it privately and secretly. And when we pray, and I hope we do, make it min meaningful, sincere prayers, not for a show, but for the opportunity of talking to the Lord of angel armies. I just love that title in the NLT, the Lord of angel armies. One angel killed, what was it, 185,000 Assyrians one angel, and our God is the Lord of angel armies, plural. Pray specifically and precisely. And when we fast, and we should, it's a valid practice to get the attention of God, but do so not letting others know about it, not bragging about it. Fasting and prayer together can be very powerful. I'm going to ask that we bow our heads and we're going to pray. But before we do, is there in fact something you need to be praying and fasting over? Is there in fact someone that perhaps God has tapped you on the shoulder and say, you know what? Help that person. Be a blessing to that person. Help them in a specific way without drawing attention to yourself. Could you and would you do that? I believe God still speaks to people. I just don't believe we listen to them very often. Our Father in heaven, may we be Christians that are sincere, that are genuine. May it affect how we live our lives, how we treat other people, May your superior ethics be put to practice in our lives by way of application. May we live for you and for others. Oh God, bless Israel today. Lord, we don't understand all about your relationship with them, but we know that they were chosen to be your people. We don't understand why they're still in spiritual darkness, but God, we pray that for that day that it would hasten when they would be a nation saved as in a day. But we pray for Israel and protection upon her. We pray for our own country, Lord. 
difficult times for us in every way imaginable and yet not nearly as difficult as what Israel's going through right now, as what Ukraine's going through right now, as what Russia's going through right now, what the Palestinians who are not Hamas are going through right now. So God, bless our families. God, maybe, maybe everyone here has a family member who doesn't know Christ yet. They're not ready for that trumpet to sound, to be able to be caught up together in the clouds, to be with you forever. God, give us the opportunity and the wisdom to know how to give the gospel to our loved ones and to our neighbors and to our co-workers. God, that your will be done in our lives, we pray right now. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? The invitation is an invite to you. If you would like to come and pray for someone specific, if you'd like to come and you have a special need and you'd like to be prayed for, my wife's down here, ladies, she would help with, with you. Nicole, would you help with ladies also right over here? And Dan, would you help with any guys? And David back here, raise your hand, David. Uh, he would help you. I'll pray with you. Find someone and get some business taken care of with God. As we sing the invitation, one or maybe two verses, come ahead right now on the very first verse and do what God wants you to do. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Thank you for being here today. God bless you, and I hope you'll put your connection cards in uh, the, the back. And then, ladies, be sure to get your tickets. They may run out quickly, uh, possibly will. So, And guys, if you can help serve on that night, December the 2nd, uh, it would be very much appreciated. Stop by the tables out there. Father, dismiss us now with your love. Lord, thank you for being our God. Thank you for looking upon us with love and acceptance and forgiveness and grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's day. Thank you for being in God's house.